Hey everyone, my name is Mariana. If we haven't met yet, I'm part of the communications team here at Christ Community, also part of the digital ministry and the teaching team. And today I have the honor to bring uh, the teaching that we're going to be uh, doing in this time together. So a couple months ago, my husband and I went to a Brazilian restaurant to celebrate our 14th anniversary. So I'm from Brazil. So, you know, anytime there's a special occasion, we kind of go do Brazilian things because, you know, it's like our special thing. So we went to this restaurant and after the amazing meal, the waitress came to us uh, with the dessert menu and she asked if we wanted to take a look at the desserts. And I saw that they had on the options a brigadeiro cake. Well, brigadeiro is this perfect illustration of what Brazil is. It's this beautiful creation, magical, of chocolate mixed with condensed milk and cocoa, and it's wonderful. So I looked at that cake, and I looked at my husband with those big eyes and said, I need this cake. So we ordered the cake, and then when the waitress came, with a beautiful plate. I was so excited because Brigadeiro represents like my childhood and all these wonderful memories and that flavor of my culture and all of that excitement lasted until my first bite. I took the first bite of the cake and I realized that wasn't really Brigadeiro it did not have condensed milk. And that makes the entire difference before you think I'm a crazy food snob. That's what makes it special. So the waitress came back and she said, so how's everything going? And I said, well, you know, I have to say the truth in the name of all the Brazilians in the area that might come here and experience the same disappointment. I told her, this is a wonderful, wonderful chocolate cake, but it is not a brigadeiro cake. You have to change it on the menu because that word makes the entire difference. And I felt tricked. I felt deceived. I thought I was getting something that was actually not what she gave me. Now see this story, it didn't necessarily ruin my life. Maybe for 30 minutes it ruined my life. But it mostly points to a greater reality, which is what we're going to be talking about today, which is this reality of the tension between truth and lies. We live in a world where half-truths are good enough that, well, you know, this is kind of it. So let's call it good, like this cake. And it's not really the case. And so we go from these, you know, half truths and half lies all the way to full on intentional lies and deception. And unfortunately, we live in a world where words cannot be trusted. Fake news are part of our vocabulary. It gets me so upset every time that my mom calls and she's like, I saw this thing that they forwarded to me. And she's like filled with fear or anger because these fake news, they play with our emotions and they bring hopelessness. That's what's happening out there. 
scams. We get, I have the notification on my phone, spam, spam risk. <laughs> my kids love seeing that. Oh, that's a very good friend. Spam risk calls you every day or emails and texts. Click this link to track your package. And none of that is true. There are all these layers um, of realities of, of words that cannot be trusted. Like you, how many stories have you heard of people that you hire for a service, you pay the first half, and then they never show up again? Promises are broken. Agreements are not held. This And what happens then is either you're taken advantage of or you start to grow in this uh, skepticism and, and this inability to trust others start taking hold of your heart and you start having all these cynical response to things because you don't know what you can believe anymore. And, you know, maybe everyone, if you ask, they might agree that lies aren't good. And yet lies are the norm in the world this world, in this culture that we're in. Well, Jesus, thankfully, he invites us into a whole other culture, a different reality, his kingdom culture, the kingdom truth. Jesus invites us into this reality where words can be trusted, where truth reigns, where promises are held, where words are trustworthy, where there is sincerity, the kingdom. This is Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of truth. So let's look at the scripture that we'll be studying today. We're in the uh, book of Matthew chapter 5, and today we're going to be reading verses 33 to 37. Again, so th this is Jesus speaking. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I will tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven for it's God's throne or by the earth for it's uh, his footstool or by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head for you cannot Make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. And anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Well, there's a lot in here. Let me explain to you the background. Let's start with the background of this oath culture, right? So uh, they believed, people believe that when you swear, that would increase the credibility of your words and add weight to what you're saying. When you make a when you when you take an oath, and especially that promise that invokes a divine being, right? So if you swear to God uh, and you swear on the Bible, suddenly you're getting God and the Bible involved in that mix and brings hopefully more validity to your word. They use the name of God to make a vow, but the problem was they weren't holding on to those promises. So in Leviticus 19.12, the Lord commands, do not swear falsely 
by my name. So God says, hey, you're going to swear. Don't go around swearing falsely and deceiving others, and especially using my name uh, in the middle of it. So the religious leaders uh, here in Jesus' time, the Pharisees, they were taking this piece of the law, which says, do not swear falsely by God's name. And they decided, okay, here's an here's a possibility. I'm not going to swear falsely on God's name. I'll swear falsely on other things. And then they go on and on this list that we read, swearing on all sorts of other things because they were technically still holding on to the law. They were they found this loophole, a technicality to say I'm still obeying the law, but they were completely missing the point. And here's another problem. If you if you need to be adding layers of vows and promises to what you're saying to make your words believable and trustworthy, that actually points out to the very fact that why do you need to make a promise in the first place? The more promises you make, the more you are proving that your words are not worthy to be trusted to begin with. There is a deeper problem going on here. So you're using God's name to bring, to use his reputation because you don't carry that reliability on your own. Here's something that I experienced in my marriage, in my, my first year of marriage. The biggest point of contention between me and my husband was this. We're getting ready to go out, and I would say, I'll be ready in five minutes. And he's in the car waiting for me because, you know, just five minutes. Well, I was not ready in five minutes. But he believed me time and time again, and I'd say the same thing again. And he kept believing until... We all realized I was never ready in five minutes. What did that cause in my relationship with my husband? He stopped believing my time estimations. They weren't quite so accurate. Now, was I trying to be mean? Was I intentionally trying to deceive him? No. But were the words that were coming out of my mouth true? Also no. Those untrue statements were causing something in my relationship with him that we had to talk about. We lose our reliability and people keep using these promises to manipulate others through their untrustworthy or fake words, intentionally or not. So, Back to the passage, Jesus is here once again saying, you have heard, but now I say. See, these statements that Jesus uh, makes of, you heard this, but now I say this. He's saying, pay attention. This is the heart of the law. This is what God actually means when we're saying this. So Jesus says, here's what this really means. Don't swear at all. How wonderful, how wonderful would it be if your yes would mean yes and your words would be enough? How wonderful that you just saying something would mean a lot because of the reputation of your honesty. 
Jesus is bringing to the core of the issue here, which is the faultiness of our words. It's not really what you're swearing, you're swearing on this or not swearing on that. Some people try to pick apart this passage and discuss, you know, is it right? Is it a sin to, to swear or to, to make a vow or to swear on the Bible when you're in court or pledge of allegiance, blah, 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 blah. That's not the point. The point is, is what I say true? What is coming out of my mouth? Is my yes truly yes? That should be the case, period. Now, the more I thought about this wrestling between lies and truth and what we say, the more I meditated on it, the more I realized it's not that simple because straight out lies and open deceptions, they're easy to detect. You catch them, you see them, you understand they're not good. But how do we see this uh, lack of honesty playing out in our daily lives. There are so many different kinds of lies. There are the big lies, but there are some small lies. There are some lies that are completely false statements and others that are actually partially true, but you maybe change a little bit of the truth or you leave out a little bit of the truth. <laughs> some lies are uh, subtle. Some are made up. Some are selfish. Some are to protect others. There are so many facets of untruths and also so many reasons why we sometimes experience them. Sometimes it is, yeah, to, to get things your way. Sometimes it's to hide things you've done. Sometimes it is to deceive. Sometimes, you know, your pride plays a big role and, and you say something that is not quite true to make you look good. And again, maybe it's a little bit of a bent true. Maybe you're trying to not to get yourself into too much trouble. But sometimes, you know, you have better intentions in your mind. Sometimes you're saying something that is not true because you're trying not to hurt somebody or you're trying to avoid an argument. Maybe you're trying to just make a story more exciting. I have to watch myself on that. <laughs> so while the obvious lies are easy to catch, there are all these other uh, ways of lying that I would love for us to take some time, some time right now and, and observe them and detect them and why. Because these half-truths and these subtle lies, they start to infiltrate our lives in places that we may not even notice. Sometimes it's a blind spot. Some habits that you have that you're not even noticing. And that start to undermine the wholeness of the kingdom truth that Jesus came to establish the lack of truth that infiltrates, it drifts us away from God's truth and it starts to spoil our hearts and our relationships with others. So, you know, interestingly, interestingly enough, research shows that we really don't just lie for our benefit um, like I said, sometimes it's for the benefit of others. You're trying to, you know, if it's a sensitive topic and you're trying to 
not quite speak truly what you think. You know, it's it's this whole complex layer that I've been thinking about because in my heart I want to speak the truth but I'm like god how do I how do I apply all of this how do I get rid of lies how can I be truthful in what I say in certain difficult situations well here's what I know scripture tells us to be truthful scripture tells us that the lord despises lies But scripture also tells us to speak truth in love, that truth and love should always go together. Let's take a look at what Ephesians 4 uh, says, verses 15 and verse 25. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. See, the filter of what comes out of our mouth is not only, well, it's true, but also this reminder, we we need to use this reminder that we are part of one body. I love this verse because it challenges us to speak the truth, but it says, why? Because we're one. We don't want to bring division. We don't want to break apart. And you know, this this topic of, of oneness and connection and truth is such a hot topic right now with this discussion of, of vulnerability. And it's something that I, it really has spoken to my heart when I am hiding truths or, or parts of who I am from others that is preventing us from experiencing unity. Because when, when you're vulnerable, when you're willing to share uh, your heart truly, that's what brings relationship together. That's what makes you stronger. And no wonder this, this scripture says, when you speak truth in love, we grow in this body. We grow in our unity. But then it does say, speak the truth in love. Because when you're doing anything, so like these difficult truths that you, you are feeling compelled and, and convicted to share with somebody, when you share them in love, it is not divisive. Truth with love brings unity, not division. And that's the thing that we need to pay attention is to not ever use truth as a weapon, because it's not to to cause a break in the relationship. And you lean in the excuse, well, you know, I'm just being truthful to go around like a bulldozer hurting people in very insensitive ways. That's not how truth is supposed to be used. We should speak the truth with the other person's best interest in mind. We speak truth because we want to pour life into this person. We want to pour life into our relationship because we understand that truth will help us grow, grow closer and grow in unity. 
Last weekend, we had a clog in my sewage um, in my home, which caused a sewage spill in my basement. So um, we had a, a good quarter of our basement covered in sewage content. Let's call it that. <laughs> it was a very disgusting, chaotic, and frustrating. It was a terrible experience. Well, the plumbers came, you know, and they're analyzing things and looking around, and then they discovered 70 feet away, out in the front yard, five feet underground, the pipe was fully obstructed, which caused the backup. Well, after the excavator dug this big hole, it was a huge ordeal. We saw what was hiding underneath. The, the pipe, it wasn't even just clogged. It was inexistent. It was gone. The roots around it were little by little cracking that pipe and breaking it. And um, it, it completely took over that piece of the, the pipe. And so nothing else could go through. Now, this reality was something that was little by little growing over time in our back, in our front yard, but we didn't know. It consumed our pipe until poop filled out our basement, <laughs> filled it up. This is a very disgusting picture, but the more I thought about it, isn't it such an accurate picture of what untruths will do or hidden truths? All these things that are hidden in secret, things that are covered up. And then suddenly it causes a much greater damage. You know, once that truth was revealed, uh, things were, we were able to fix things and, and things were able to flow in our pipes again as they should. But while it was unknown and hidden, it caused us great problems. I want to point out that our call to enter this culture of truth is not only about speaking truth as in the opposite of lies, but it's also about speaking truth as in the opposite of what is not known, like in our pipe situation, because people are losing sight of the truth. The world is lost and has no idea what's true anymore about who we are, about who God is. Problems happen because truth is not known. The world is craving for truth all around us. The lies that they're believing and the lack of seeing truth, it is eating it up underground and bringing destruction to individuals, to relationships, but truth sets us free. And we're called to be carriers of truth, to speak and proclaim what is true. I want to go back to the passage here, do a little turn. 
because there's another layer, yet another layer, that this scripture brings to light, which is uh, the issue of hypocrisy. When you do or say something that you don't mean in your heart, maybe, you know, you really, really want to do the right things and you adopt all the right practices, but there's a disconnect between what you're saying and doing and what's truly in your heart. Um, I was reading this book. It's the uh, Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. You might be familiar with its sibling book, The Five Love Languages, which is more for marriage and love relationships. And this one is for um, other relationships in the workplace. And I thought, oh, how cool. I'd love to learn more about that. So the author, you know, is going on and on explaining each of the languages. And so let's say words of affirmation. So when you, how important it is when you encourage somebody, when you notice the things that they do, you know, and not, not only the things they do, but who they are, how, if that's their love language, how much that fills up their bucket when you compliment them. But here's what stood out to me while going through this book. After they give you all of the hints of the right things to do, all the tips that you should have under your lips, after all of that, they end the chapters by saying, but you have to mean it because people can smell lack of authenticity. And you know, you know how that goes. When somebody says something, you know it's not really what they're thinking. When you do or say things that you don't really mean, that actually can work against you and cause the opposite effect than what you're hoping for. Well, this was the caveat after every one of the chapters. After they described all of the love languages at the end, they said, it has to be true. Because the bottom line is, do you really care? You're trying to do all these, all these things to show love, but do you really love? Maybe you're getting all the actions right, but they're empty because that's not what's in your heart. You don't do these kinds of things to just check it off a, a checklist. Is that person really loved? Do you really appreciate them in your heart? And this is what we're seeing the Pharisees doing here. They were taking actions that looked right, but in their heart, that was not at all the case. There was a mismatch. There was this misalignment. And the crazy thing is, if you look at Jesus' stories, this was the very thing that he fought against the most was hypocrisy. He despised it when people's actions looked so pretty, but their hearts didn't follow. <laughs> you just put on this appearance. You put on this show looking so righteous and religious and doing all the right things when your heart is corrupt. I love the message version and how it translates this same passage. So let's read. It's the same passage again, but in the message translation. And don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. 
You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it. Or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. What is good? What good is there to say and do the right things if they're not true? And we have all these phrases that we say, like in this passage, it's so convicting. I'll pray for you and you don't do it. I have been so intentional on this one in particular. If I ever say I'll pray for you, I'll either do it right now or I'll write it down so I don't forget it later because I don't want to break that promise. I don't want to say something and do something else. If I say you can count on me or I'm here for you, right? There are all these things that maybe we have the habit of saying and we're just throwing these promises out there, but we're not really meaning it. We're not willing to follow through with the things we're saying. So we don't want to just try to look good. We want these things to be true in our heart. So here's what Jesus invites us into. Notice that there are, there are three layers that I want to summarize all these different aspects that we see the lack of truth playing out in our lives. There's the, the things that you say and you don't follow through. There is the problem of just saying what's true, so your words. And then there's the reality of the hypocrisy, which is that heart check reality. So, so the first one, the first um, application for us today is watch your words. This is the, fu- the, the foundation, the basic of it all, right? You make sure that what comes out of your mouth is actually true. It's, it's basic to understand, but it's not simple to apply. Seek to speak what's true and seek to speak it with the love. Watch your words. The second is watch your actions. This is when you want to make sure that your actions and what you're doing is aligned with the words that you're saying so that you're not breaking promises. Like me telling my husband that I'd be ready in five minutes. This is when maybe what you're saying is the desire of your heart. So your heart and your mouth is actually aligned, but your actions are not following. So what you're doing on the outside is not matching what you're, what you're speaking. So watch what you're saying. If you ever promise anybody anything, make every effort to honor your words. And the third thing is... Um, Watch your heart. This is for us to resist and fight against hypocrisy. This is when maybe what you're saying and doing is beautiful and good, but your heart is misaligned. There's no harmony 
in the good things you're doing, but the truth within your heart. Uh, what's happening on the inside is not matching the outside. So watch your heart. If you say uh, something that is good and you know that's not truth, uh, true in your heart, you, can, you have this, this opportunity, this possibility to seek to transform your heart. Because as big as it sounds, this is actually something biblical. Jesus says, uh, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which means it's possible. Maybe, you know, I think of even simple things like we sometimes we teach our kids to lie, like when they get a gift and we say, tell them you liked it when you know they didn't, you know, like I loved it and it's not true. Well, what is the answer in this case to say, to say the truth and be, I hate this gift or to search my heart and be like, why did I not appreciate this? How can I change my heart? So that when I say I liked it, it's true in my heart. So there are these different layers for us to watch. Sometimes the action is I need to change my words because of what I'm saying is not true. But sometimes I need to change my actions because my actions aren't uh, holding on to my words. And sometimes we have to change our heart and absorb the good things we're saying and doing and make sure we have a transformed heart that matches the outside, matches the inside. In all these areas, we're pursuing honesty. We're pursuing to be sincere, to have integrity, to be genuine to be authentic. And this word sincere in particular, I want to spend a few minutes in talking about being sincere because this word is so loaded with meaning and I love it so much. Uh, there are actually several theories about the origin of the word sincere and I'm no expert on the topic, but I will share my favorite theory with you. How about that? Um, according to folk history, the English word sincere comes from two Latin words, sine, which means without, and sera, which means wax. I personally love this because it's exactly what it is in my heart language, Portuguese. Without wax is sincera in Portuguese, and sincere is sincera, like it makes complete sense in my head. And if you speak Spanish, that's the same thing too, so that's why I love this. It's really easy to remember. Well, so here's the story about why sincere is sincera without X. Sorry, without wax. Um, in the ancient world, uh, they say dishonest merchants would use wax to hide defects on their uh, pottery, such like cracks um, or any flaws in their pieces of pottery, because those flawed potteries, they wouldn't uh, hold water, you know, a broken vase. So they would secretly repair it with wax and still sell it for a good price. And then some people with a better reputation, they would hang a sign over their pottery saying, pottery sincera, without wax, 
and the ones that have wax so that the customers would actually know which ones were genuine, whole, and authentic. So the pottery with wax, it looked great on the outside. You, you couldn't notice. It was really, it looked like all the other ones until the buyer would take it home and build a fire. And then the heat in the room would melt the wax and the fraud would be exposed. But the sincere ones, the sincere vases without wax, they had nothing to hide. There was no secret. There was no unspoken truth. Jesus calls us to be sincere, to be whole, not fake, without wax, without hiding flaws, but rather reliable and trustworthy, filled with integrity and truth. But what do we do? We hide behind wax. We cover truths. We make up to, to make sure that we keep on these deceiving appearances. You know, maybe you're going through a difficult time, but you're hiding that truth to your friends because you don't want to appear weak or look like a failure. Maybe you're trying to patch up some relationship with wax rather than facing the truth of that crack and having some difficult but good conversations. Maybe you're covering things up out of shame because, you know, truths can be hard. Truths can be hard to admit even to ourselves, much more to others. And maybe you want to believe that adulterated version with wax because it looks close enough. Maybe this version of this story, this version of how you're seeing things, it's close enough. Let's just call it good. The wax is working. The wax can be an easy way out, but it's not sincere. Here's the thing that really inspires me about the gospel. Jesus never invites you to just, oh, go out there and go, go try this thing out. You know, well, these are some things you should do. Uh, see if it works. No. This, everything he invites us into, this is a revelation of the very character of God. This shows who he is. He's not telling us, go try to be sincere. And, you know, it kind of sounds like a good concept. Good luck checking it out and let me know how it goes. No, this is the very nature of Christ. This is who he is. This is his culture. This is his kingdom that he's already in. And he invites us into this reality that already exists in him. Look at this verse in Numbers that speaks about who God is. God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. 
Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No, God is not like us. Thank you, Jesus. He is not capable of lying. His words are trustworthy. He doesn't promise something and then doesn't fulfill. He does what he says and we can stand on his words and the promises that he makes. Jesus is the very embodiment of sincerity. If you want to know what being sincere, sincere, look at Jesus. There's nothing fake in him. He is truthful and we can trust every word that comes out of his mouth. The passage ends by saying, anything that, uh, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. There's such a spiritual context to this entire topic. Like I'm saying, the truth of who Jesus is. And then the scripture says, anything beyond this is, comes from the evil one. Why? Because our fight is not only against our flesh, it's also against the enemy. He is the one who from the beginning has brought lies and deceptions into the world. If you're wondering, why is this the reality of the world around us? Well, that was the very first act of the enemy since Genesis. He's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. And lying is his means. Deception is his currency. Half-truth is his vocabulary. He's trying to deceive from the beginning. And he establishes his kingdom through lies. And he wants to keep us from walking in truth. He's called the father of lies. But on the other hand, Jesus is called the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. While you have the father of lies here, you have the very truth here. And Jesus summarized his mission when he was facing his death sentence. He says, he's, he's facing Pilate and he says, the reason I was born and I came to this world is to testify to the truth. Jesus came to establish what is true. He came to establish a kingdom, his kingdom of truth. This is who he is, and this is the heart of his mission. He came to set us free from this kingdom of lies. He says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's power in truth. Truth ushers in freedom, and Jesus' truth overcomes the kingdom of this world. There is power in proclaiming truth. And when you seek to speak truth to people around you, you bring in the life of Christ because that is God's kingdom. The world is crying out for that. You talk to anybody, 
people are hungry and thirsty for what is real, for what's authentic. They're tired of the wax, of what's not sincere, of what's plastic, of what's fake. People are craving trustworthy friendships. They're craving trustworthy people. And you hear this everywhere in conversations. And the one, Jesus, the one who is truth, is molding us and shaping us, shaping our lives according to his kingdom truth as we follow him, as we embrace his truthful words and the faithfulness of his promises. Let that transform our hearts, our minds. Let that transform our faulty words. Let that transform our actions and make us truthful in all that we say, all that we do, so that we may be carriers of truth in this world. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to our hearts and revealing truth and shining your light where there has been darkness. As I was praying for this moment, I felt led to pray for you who maybe you find yourself today experiencing the aftermath, the aftermath of deception and lies that have been told to you or hurts. Holy Spirit, I want to lift up all of those who are watching this and that are suffering the pain that is consequence of this broken world of broken words. Father, would you bring healing and would you bring truth and let your truth set us free today. And I also want to pray, Jesus, for all of us who are wrestling, how do I embrace truth more fully in my life? Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to see the places where maybe it's a blind spot and we're not even noticing lies that are infiltrating would you help us see when we say we'll do something and we don't? Would you help us see when we're bending truth for us to look good? Holy Spirit, would you expose potential hypocrisy out of our hearts? 
transform our hearts today, we pray. Jesus, would you pour your truth and change our hearts? May our words, may our actions, and may our heart bring glory to you as we enter into this culture of truth, as we embrace you, the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.